KXNO Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa basketball team announced yesterday that Jordan Bohannon will be undergoing a hip scope today at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. Bohannon will be out for an indefinite period of time. In an interview with the Register's Chad Leistikow, Bohannon said a possibility of a red shirt is on the table. Iowa Hoops has also found their replacement on the assistant coaching staff as Billy Taylor has been named as the assistant coach, replacing Andrew Francis. The Iowa baseball team gets started today in the Big Ten tournament as they face off against top-seeded Indiana. The Hoosiers swept the Hawkeyes back in their series in late March. First pitch scheduled for 5 o'clock on BTN. The Stanley Cup Finals are set. We go to St. Louis as the Blues get it done on the power play. Now Schwartz looking for the redirect. Thomas for the point. 15 seconds remaining on the power play. Petrangelo with a shot. The call from NBCSN as the Blues advance to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1970 where the Boston Bruins await. Game one Monday night in Boston. To basketball Eastern Conference Finals and we're tied up at two games apiece. Kawhi Leonard goes over the Greek freak. Gasol with a nice pass and Leonard puts it down. TNT with the call 121-02 the final. Game five back in Milwaukee tomorrow night. We finish in baseball and the Cubs walk it off against the Phillies. Pitch to Baez. Line! Cubs win! It only took Almago one pitch tonight. 3-2 to the final. The call from WGN Sports teams back at it tonight. 7.05 with the first pitch. Cole Hamels will go up against his old team for the first time for the Cubs. In Anaheim, the Twins continue to mash. And welcome to the big leagues, Louis Arias. A drive to right field and deep. Arias has hit his first major league home run. What a moment for the rookie. Dick Bremer on the call, Fox Sports North. As the Twins pick up the 8-3 win, they lead the American League Central by six and a half games. And after a rainout yesterday, the Royals and Cardinals will be playing a doubleheader. 12-15 start for game one, 6-45 game two from St. Louis. Live from the Y Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. I have no idea who this is. You told me you want to talk about something here to kick off the hour. This is Drake. I couldn't tame one Drake song. My life depended on it. Uh, welcome back, Miller and Con. That's funny, Trent. Um, at my expense. One the, the look at your face. Yeah, one of the pitfalls of 60. Um, anyways, uh, Miller and Con, the Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Well, the, the reason I did is, I mean, if you watched the game last night, they end up talking about the NBA game last night. Uh, the Raptors in the Bucks game number four. Toronto was, you know, they were, they were in control in the, uh, in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter as they started to distance themselves from the Bucks. And, uh, it was becoming very apparent that this thing is going back to Milwaukee tied to two apiece. So Drake is a Canadian, I guess, right? He is, yes. And, uh, he's a rapper. I've heard of him. Uh, I have, like I say, I have no idea. He's very, I mean, he's loaded. Yes. He's he, rich. He was a child actor. In Canada, okay. All right. he was on Degrassi Junior High, the second reincarnation of that. That was never heard of that show. Health class in sixth grade, we got to watch that. They talked about 
issues for middle school kids. Then he was part of the new group. He's younger than I am. So okay. I didn't see the Drake version. So he started that way. And then he goes from being an actor to, oh, now he's a rapper. Kind of does it all. And his early stuff wasn't, wasn't hardcore. We're not talking gangsta rap or and we're not talking Ice Cube and Ice-T from back in the day and Dre and those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. It just it toe-tapping stuff. He's not real hard. Yeah, but he's real rich. Yes. I saw a picture of his airplane. That's how I knew he's got... Uh, Owns... A, a what, 727 like, or 47. Or, like a half a half percent of the team, something like that. Oh, I didn't know that yeah, part. Does yeah. he? So he's got a little piece he of the He does raps? have a stake of the Raptors, too. Well, Trent, the reason I wanted to bring it up is... I've, look, I've never seen a fan, and he's courtside. Um mm-hmm. Nicholson seats? Yeah, but you never see Jack Nicholson going up to rub Phil Jackson's shoulders, you know, during the Lakers runs. That's true. I mean, could you imagine if, if Drake would have been a, you know, born in San Antonio and become a Spurs fan and tried to do that to Popovich? Well, I'm going to guess that wouldn't have got very far. No. But at the, at the, I don't know, fourth quarter, at some point in the game last night, I'm watching the game and I sh- they show a sign, uh, a shot rather, of Nick Nurse. Um, you know, he's up off the bench. He's, I don't know what he's going to do. He's standing, uh, in front of his bench. And all of a sudden, this guy, who I didn't know who he was, comes up and starts rubbing his shoulders. And he's, he's giddy that the team that, you know, his team is having the success that he, that they are. And apparently has carte blanche to just do whatever. Do whatever you want to do. He's up and down the floor. He's taken this Spike Lee thing to a completely different level. Because Spike Lee was always anchored to his seat, was he not? I mean, he would jaw back and forth with him and Reggie Miller were classic. Yes, yes. And you would see him and he'd be standing yelling at guys too. But not moving away from his space, his chair, was he? The only, the local tie here, the guy in Iowa City. Oh, yeah, the fan. The fan that and has And he's a those... doctor, apparently. Yes, he is an anesthesiologist. Yeah, right. Over in eastern Iowa. Mm-hmm. And he and is all over. And he faces the benches. So you see him from the back when they're, when they're, when they're broadcasting a mm-hmm. game. We see his back, and his wife's got really long hair. Yep. Uh, I know exactly who you mean. He is out there. He is part of the action. He is called, I think the Iowa State people call him Happy. From Blue Chips, that was the name of the booster Okay, Blue Chips. That was yep. paying off Shaq and Penny Hardaway mm-hmm. and those guys. They call him happy. He He's part of the game. Mm-hmm. Dockage has given him crap. You've heard that in broadcast yep, before. Yep, yep, yep. Sit down, sit down happy, get out of the way. Right. He Drake, though, this is next level stuff. Now, can you imagine? Now, Iowa State's got one. Weatherwax tried to fight Bill Self. <laughs> right. <laughs> How could I forget about that one? Oh, my God. That was unbelievable. It's and Kansas fans to this day still have they they still take their pound of flesh with Mel Weatherwax when it's Kansas Iowa State uh-huh. they love this. Is this a good thing for hoops? I mean, because mm, no, I mean at the college level, he's so passionate. Evidently, at the, Drake is a yeah. passionate Raptors fan. It was just something I've never seen before, Trent. It's just it and like just, you said, Nicholson. Rubbing shoulders of Phil yeah, Jackson. Right. That's not going to happen. No, Popovich is going to clock you. No. Right. You're not be able to get away with it. And it must not have been the first time because Nick Nurse was like, eh, this has happened before. This is nothing new. I would love to get Nick Nurse in a quiet moment and say, what are your real feel- feelings about Drake? You know. Oh, he is a stakeholder in the in the team, so yeah. probably wouldn't be able to get that one out and put it on the radio airwaves or anything. They but. showed him earlier when Giannis missed airballed a free throw. 
Mm-hmm. And then he came yes. back with a second opportunity to with free throws, and he was it was a it wasn't an air ball, but it just barely drew iron, and you could see Drake out of his seat, and he was laughing at uh, at Giannis's expense. It was just, anyways, it was just really weird. Not something I've ever seen before. So now we have a night with no NBA, no NHL, no NHL. Cubs play at seven o'clock. I'm in. Twins play at eight. I'm oh, in. at eight o'clock. Why eight hour o'clock? early? They're off tomorrow, I guess, an hour early to get out of town and get back home. They have a day off before the White Sox come in for the weekend. But I guess that's the reason yeah, behind it. Uh, is it picked up nationally, do you know? Because that don't would be a 6 o'clock Pacific so. first pitch. Right. That's odd. Yeah. that's well, That works for me because yeah. that's all there is tonight is baseball, and I'm fine with it. Uh, what have we got Hamilton tonight for the Cubs? Yes, yeah, against his old team, mm-hmm. going up against the Phillies there. So it's going to be a different kind of night. And uh, I'll be calling some high school baseball this evening. The Cardinals yesterday... Yeah, they were rained out. weathered out, right? Yeah, because of that, they're playing a doubleheader. We'll have the Game 2, 645 here. Because of that, I'll be out of Valley doing a second game of our high school coverage, but it'll be online only, so you can catch so that. So .com. Yep. And KXNO. Valley plays com. who? Uh, against Urbandale, the reigning champions in well, 4A from yeah, years ago. It's too bad that you got bumped. I know. I mean, you got to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we have to air a number of Cardinal games. And- yep. Uh, due to the rain out yesterday. So it was scheduled to be a day game, a standalone game. And because of the, uh, so it's two gates, right? They will mm-hmm. empty the ballpark yep. and then, uh, people that had tickets for yesterday will come back. So we'll hear, uh, we'll get the second half of the, uh, day night double header tonight, the Royals and the Cardinals here at 630. We talked so much about the Cubs. The Cardinals had really nice start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're been, fading a little bit. They've been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. It, they've been a difficult team. We both loved what they did in the offseason. I picked them to win the division. Roster-wise, I still really like this team, but it just it's tough to get in the flow with them where you just feel confident about them and they're going to go out and win this series. They're going to go out and mm-hmm. it's been so inconsistent out of them. Concerns, though, that they're falling back too far from the Cubs, from the Brewers. Uh, too early for that? Yeah, too early because it's still got so many games against those two clubs, right? They mm-hmm. play 19 times during the regular season, so they've still got a boatload left against them. Uh, you know what nugget I came across last night, and I don't know why I did, um, other than the fact that Pirates fans are just killing Chris Archer. Oh, he, really? He's having an awful year. ERA's north of uh, 600. Do you know who the... Rays acquired from the Pirates when they made the Chris Archer move. What? Oh, Tyler, Tyler Glass now. Yes. Who was 6-1, and one, 55. Now he's hurt. He is hurt. He, yep. He's hurt right now. But they also got Austin Meadows, their oh, DH in the deal. Yeah. He's batting 330-something, nine home runs, 23 RBI. And Chris Archer has been god-awful for the yes. Pirates. Yeah. I mean... So if you're an, if you're a fan of a team that's in a pennant race and you're all giddy about the move they're going to make, mm-hmm. look careful. what they gave up. I mean, Austin Meadows is they're, they're they're I got the numbers in front of me. He's up to three forty, nine home runs, twenty four RBI. Um, he's twenty four years old, so he's got he's got a long a lot of career ahead of him. And Tyler Glass now, he might have been the best pitcher. Not named Sale Verlander in the American League in the first half. Is it turning into? I remember this growing up. So, fantasy baseball back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. My elementary school principal and our PE teacher put it together, and us and a bunch of kids that love sports. Right. Poor the poor. You know what I remember about fantasy baseball in the 80s? Yeah. 
you feel awful for the commissioner. Oh yeah, because you got to fill out. You got to get the USA Today on Wednesday for yeah, the Yale stats, and then because there's no there's no internet to get these stats from, <laughs> and then you got to work through it. And right every two weeks, maybe month, you'll get a packet that has all the stats <laughs> yeah. there. They're you'll, already old. You'll keep. You'll try to track your own, and you'll have an idea what kind of week you're having, and how many starts this pitcher's going to get. Do I sit him because this guy's going to get two starts right. this week? I mean, in the '80s, it was tough to be the commissioner. It was a different one. It was a different time. But our Mr. Bisgard, he pulls me aside, and he said, Trent, I want to tell you something after I'd made a trade with his son, Jace, who I now do a podcast with, the, okay, yeah. the General Hawkeyes yeah, podcast. Yeah. Just going to tell you this once, never, ever make a trade with Jace. You're never going to get the right end of that deal. And now, 30 years later, I, I've subscribed to that adage, and never again do I trade with him in fantasy sports. Have you with gone the, down that path again, have you? Or No, no, I've stayed away. Okay. I've listened to Mr. B, and it's... True. I've seen other people that have made trades that haven't turned out. Maybe the Rays are turning into that, where it's just, mm. you look at what they have done over the last decade and what they have been able to really fleece people out. Mm-hmm. Maybe just say, you know what? Yeah, we'd really like to get an ace. We'd really like to get an archer. We're probably not going to end up on the right side of this deal. No, and here's a perfect example yes. of them getting fleeced again. Well, we're going to continue to talk baseball. We're going to talk about the Minnesota Twins, and here we are um, approaching Memorial Day weekend, and we really haven't given a lot of love. Well, we talk about them. That's Trent's team, but mm-hmm. we're going to get uh, in-depth on the uh, uh, Twins uh, coming up here with a guy who owns Twins Daily, co-owner. Yeah, he's one of uh, the five guys. that used to be a bunch of separate blogs for the Twins about a decade ago. Uh, there was... Nick's Twins blog, there was Twins Geek. There was, okay, Nick there was, Nelson we're talking about. Yep, yep, and Nick Nelson and all these guys came together. John Bonus, Aaron Gleeman, oh, who else? Aaron Gleeman's huge up there. Seth Stowes, all these guys came together, and instead of saying, eh, we got a kind of a fractured part, let's make one big one. That's TwinsDaily.com. That is their website. All these bloggers that have come together. And, uh, yeah, we'll have Nick Nelson coming on next. Indeed. And then we'll get to Adam Teicher at about 11.35. We're going to take a look to a couple of uh, our local teams, one in MLB, one in NFL. Teicher covers the Kansas City Chiefs for ESPN.com. Now it's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. And, folks, you don't have a lot of time left to go for the green today. Tomorrow and Friday, and this promotion ends, and we would love uh, to have another winner come out of this building, and we'd love to have that person come uh, be a KXNO listener. We've already had one. Love to find another before it ends. We're asking you to text the keyword WATER to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000 cash. That's WATER to 200-200, standard message and data rate supply. Uh, Back with Nick Nelson, Twins Talk, next, Miller Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Look. 24 hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. He sees everything you ever wanted. You know this one? I like this one. You do? I like this one. Wow. Yep. So does our next guest. Does he? He's got good taste. Uh, welcome back. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We're going to talk about those first-place Minnesota Twins. Nick Nelson from Twins Daily joins the program. 32 up, 16 down, 667 clip. That's ah, unbelievable. Uh, Nick, Trent Condon, Ken Miller, thanks for coming on. How are you, Nick Nelson? I'm doing great. How's it going, gentlemen? Uh, do, good. Do, good to talk to you. Hey, what um, or who... Deserves credit for this turnaround. Is this, I mean, how much credit, I guess, does Rocco Baldelli deserve for what the, the start that this team is off to? It's more than a start now. They're about to hit the 50 game mark here before the weekend. So it's much more than a start. But how about Baldelli? How much credit does he deserve? You know, I think you kind of got to spread it around when everything's going as well as it has. Uh, the, the way I like to put it is that if 2016 was total system failure, then this is all systems go. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how many players are uh, playing basically at the highest point of their ability, and I think it's a combination of, you know, health. They've had pretty good health up to this point, um, and, and coaching all around seems like they're getting the most out of all these guys, and I do think that Baldelli set uh, a culture and uh, an expectation that, that these guys are really rallying around and coming together as a team, and that's been quite a, quite a delight to watch. You know, Nick, as we've watched this team and, and the building to get to this level with the new front office staff that came in three years ago, Falvey and Levine, kind of the two-headed monster there and different side of things. One of the biggest uh, avenues that they were looked at and people talked about was building a team that made sense at Target Field. And it felt like maybe the past regime that didn't make a whole lot of sense when they're building that ballpark, a couple of lefty guys with Maurer and Morneau and the move from the Metrodome, and it just didn't make sense. These right-handed masters in that ballpark, coupled with what they've done in the bullpen, in the pitching staff. It just feels like this is a team that knows what they want to be. Yeah, you know, I think they have a really good idea of sort of contextually building the team. They see what's happening around the league. Um, they see the increase in power, launch angle. They've got a lot of power hitters, you know, fly ball hitters. Um, and, and they really have tailored the team to sort of their circumstances, which uh, has led to the success. They, they play well at target field, but then again, they've also played uh, even better on the road. So, um, this team is just really well built. You know, the lineup one through nine is going to hurt you, and the pitching has been shockingly good so far. Yeah, it really has. Uh, what's what's your concern on this team? Parker's been really good, um, and I and I think he's. I think you can, you know, you can trust him in a big spot to to hold the lead in the ninth inning. He's been nobody's got eight saves so far this year. Uh, but is there a concern in the back of your mind? You know, things are going well, but boy, here, what what would that but be for you, Nick? The, the bullpen is definitely the butt. You know, I think uh, there's, there's some of the possible warts there have been hidden a little bit by the fact that they've been winning games so handily so often. You know, a lot of the time the starter's coming out after six or seven innings and they have a, a five-run lead. So it's, uh, you're not going to really have those, those issues emerge as much. But right now they've got a bullpen that's built more than half of it out of guys that were signed to minor league contracts. Uh, Blake Parker is a guy that didn't really have any interest from anyone during the offseason. Hildenberger and Romero, who are two guys they were really looking at as sort of late inning cogs or in AAA and not pitching very well. So uh, I do think that's sort of a ticking time bomb there that they would be wise to proactively address uh, to the extent they can. In terms of that, as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, 
is uh, financial flexibility. How much flexibility does this Twins team have? How much could they go out there and spend it and invest into this season if there was a big name out there and, and some bullpen arms or even a starter arm that they could bring in and, and help out with the with the uh, pitching staff? I've got to imagine they've got quite a bit of flexibility there. Uh, you know, they even after signing Marwin Gonzalez late in the offseason, they were still a little short of what they spent last year. And now they've really got an opportunity to go out and make that push. Uh, you know, the, the division appears to be clearly theirs for the taking. Uh, they've got a six-and-a-half game lead right now, which is pretty unbelievable. Uh, and, and I think fans are really going to start coming out to the ballpark here and filling those seats as, as the weather gets warmer. So, uh, you know, I think I would think they want to do everything they can to support and nurture that and, and really keep this thing going in the right direction. Uh, and, you know, the, I think the, the big benefit of their offseason, which was somewhat conservative, is that they, they maintained that spending flexibility come into the year uh, to be able to make an addition and maybe take on some salary. Hmm. Is Byron Buxton arrived? <laughs> he has. He has. Uh, it's great to see him healthy and kind of doing the things that, that we all really hoped he would do. I mean, he's basically become that player that, that everyone hoped he would be. Uh, the, the power is there. The speed. I mean, the, some of those plays he made last night, uh, you know, it's, it's insane how fast he gets to the ball. I remember in the ninth inning last night, uh, got back to the warning track and caught a ball with plenty of time to sort of fall back into the into the padded wall there, and then on the next play, you know, there, Dick Bramer was already saying, well, that one falls in, and then somehow <laughs> Buxton just dips up and catches it. I mean, he's, he's really uh, unbelievable to behold uh, and just affects the game in so many ways. And I still think he's not quite at that level offensively where that he, that he can reach. Uh, you know, I think there's still more home run power there and more on-base proclivity. You know, with that, Nick, and there is still so much upside, I agree with you, in his game. In the past, he'd go through an 0-4 with a couple of strikeouts, and it felt like, oh, here we go again. It's going to fall apart, and he's going to turn that into a 1-for-35 streak. That hasn't happened this year. There's been some 0-for-4s. There's been a couple of games where he doesn't get a hit, but he continues to bounce back in a big way. What is that? Is it just maturity, or do you have to look a little bit deeper with him because of the struggles that he's had in the past? I think it's both. You know, I mean, there's going through what he went through last year is going to is going to change you. It's going to change your mindset. And it's going to give you an extra perspective. And I think that the new coaching staff has really set a more comfortable uh, sort of vibe. You know, I think what he's doing sort of represents the whole team. Where in the past, you know, under Molitor, it seemed like there'd be a lot of times where they'd have a bad loss or a player would go through a bad skid and it would just sort of snowball. And this year, you just don't see that at all. You know, they've bounced. They haven't lost more than two games in a row. Uh, they bounce back usually from uh, a bad loss with a pretty big win, uh, and and the players individually are coming out of these slumps pretty quickly because you know it helps that you know when you go through a slump, there's about seven other guys in the lineup that are crushing it, so you can really survive it. This offense, uh, they're you're right, they just mash up and down the lineup. What's it going to take though? I mean, the the guy Byron Buxton we're talking about hitting incredibly well, yet he continues to bat in the nine spot. Are we getting closer to moving him out of that nine hole and? and getting that power that he showed and everything else towards the top of the lineup? Well, if there was people struggling ahead of him, I think it might be more of an issue. But uh, at this point, you know, with everyone else hitting pretty well, uh, you know, granted, I don't love that he's getting fewer at-bats down there, but I think there is some viability to that second leadoff man sort of concept where he's getting on base ahead of the top of the order and he's a real threat when you get those bats coming up after him. And he just seems comfortable. It's working for him. So, you know, really, why screw with it? A lot of the times, even a... a change in the lineup can kind of mess with the guy, and, and we've seen that Buxton is a guy who can sort of, you know, any sort of little change could, could cause some sort of ripple effect. So 
I really don't see it changing anytime too soon unless he takes it up to another level or people ahead of him start struggling. Nick Nelson, Twins Daily. Nick, my last thing for you. Uh, get to Memorial Day. The White Sox will have left town by then. Uh, still one with the Angels today is the getaway day in L.A. But uh, Then the White Sox for the weekend. Before two with Milwaukee and then a long road trip. And the road trip consists of, at least at the beginning, four in Tampa Bay who somehow, someway are finding a way uh, in that uh, American League East. They're a terrific baseball team. And then three in Cleveland. It's been a while since the Indians and the Twins have seen each other, started the regular season. Uh, but this next nine games, once Chicago live, uh, leaves, rather, uh, very telling the way the schedule is about to, uh, about to change. I agree. I mean, to the, to the point that anyone is sort of still reluctant or hesitant to get on the train, uh, after that stretch, if the Twins are still coming out of that, uh, winning, you know, winning that road trip, I don't know how you how you could not be. You know, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see that Cleveland series because uh, the Indians have been falling way behind while the Twins have been running away. So you got to imagine that they're circling those dates as their opportunity to try to uh, turn this thing around and get back on track. So uh, if the Twins are able to to carry some momentum into that series and then win it, uh, you know, Cleveland's going to be in panic mode here already in early June. They are this team. It is set up all there yet. Alas, even if this team wins the division. Sitting in front. If everything goes great this summer, they get that bullpen help. Everything looks great. You're chasing not just the Astros, but the old bugaboo on the other <laughs> side, the other division, the New York Yankees. It, it what has to change? Is it do they need to bring in a, a live chicken to cut its head off like a major league? What do they need to do to get <laughs> past the Yankees? Well, it's that, that ghost is never going to go away until they're able to to vanquish it. But you know, I will say that this is a, such a different dynamic than we've ever had in the past. The Twins have always sort of been that scrappy little team going up against the big, bad machine, and now they really have an offense that stacks up to, if not above, Houston and and New York. I mean, this is an intimidating, power-packed lineup. I mean, this is not the kind of team where you're coming in with Nick Punto and uh, and the Piranhas <laughs> trying to scratch, scratch across runs. I mean, this team's going to bomb, especially in stadiums that are pretty hitter-friendly like Yankee Stadium in Houston. We've yeah, already seen yeah. the Twins have won the, the season series against the Astros. And we'll see what happens when New York comes to town. But I, I do think there's a very different dynamic, and I'm really excited to see how Let's that works out. Let's go. Let's go. I'm in. You <laughs> sold me. Nick Nelson, Twins Daily. Nick, thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Look forward to doing it again here as the season uh, winds slowly towards the end of September. Thank you, Nick Nelson. Thank you. Take it easy, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Nick Nelson, first place, Minnesota Twins. Bring out the Yankees. Well, you got Where's the, Ross Peterson? Yeah. Get him in here. Get the Rays. Get past the Rays and then Cleveland, that roadie coming up here. Yeah. And then I think everybody will be buying in if indeed they're still there, and I believe they will be there. But to Nick's point, it does feel different. I Power just, lineup, Trent. Look at the way they're, they're the ball. up and down the lineup. Yeah. They're an incredibly good team. Now, is this could go the other way. I mean, Cleveland, all of a sudden, right, Jose Ramirez. Get healthy. He gets healthy. Mm-hmm. Lindor hits a lot better than he's hitting right now. That lineup comes together. We know even without Kluber, they got a very good rotation, and it goes back the other way. And Buxton turns into a pumpkin. Martin Perez, well, there's a reason the guy was terrible for six years. Mm-hmm. He turns back into Martin Perez, and on and on and on. But it, I have that feeling, too. You know I'm not the most optimistic fan in general? They're playing 667 baseball after 48 games. It is so enjoyable to watch. It's not just winning games, but the fashion that they do it, the way they're built. It, it all makes sense. I'm in. You should be. I'm completely in. Fun team. Uh, Adam Teicher on the Chiefs next. NFL, a couple of NFL nuggets that certainly got my attention. Those divisional games on Sunday that used to kick at noon. Yeah. 
and or noon and three thirty. They're now two and five thirty. So they push those back into prime time. Good for just the NFL. like the AFC NFC Championship exactly. Sunday is. They'll do it a week earlier with the divisional same round. time. So same time slots rather um, as as the championship weekend. Good point. Willie will uh, talk uh, Kansas City Chiefs with Adam Teicher, ESPN.com, formerly the Kansas City Star. He's next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty. Where you get your podcast. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Talk Kansas City Chiefs. Adam Teicher, ESPN.com. He covers the Chiefs, and he joins us. Adam, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How's things, Adam Teicher? Good. How are you guys doing today? Do, doing real well. Hey, I want to start with Tyreek Hill, and there is a little bit of breaking news. I guess uh, Roger Goodell was just asked about the very gifted uh, receiver for the Chiefs at the league meetings that are ongoing in Florida right now. He's not on the commissioner's exempt list, and uh, Goodell said uh, we're not going to interfere with the, the court system at this point. It had been very quiet, Adam, uh, regarding Tyreek Hill. Uh, can you update us on what's going on at all? Yeah, well, basically the um, the district attorney in the Kansas City area who has jurisdiction over the case, they, they reopened the um, the case here. That, that's been a few weeks now when, when that happened. You know, originally, he closed the case and said there were going to be no charges filed. Yeah, then draft then night it reopened. Uh, yeah, they, they, um, um, they, they reopened the investigation when... Uh, um, that that audio came out of mm-hmm. Tyreek uh, Hill and his fiance talking about what happened to the child. So, um, you know, that's still going on. And until that kind of wraps up, uh, um, it uh, you know, I think the league and the Chiefs will just sort of keep in a as-is mode. Uh, you know, he'll remain suspended from the team as he is right now, and. Uh, um, you know the league will hold off from make, making any moves itself, but once um, you know once that investigation wraps up, then I think we might see some movement in form of a um, you know placed on an exempt list or a, a suspension or or even the chiefs cutting him, depending on what uh, comes out of that investigation. Well, that's not all on the legal front. Uh, new safety Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. This is a weird one. A victim of a five million dollar extortion attempt by a family member. Tyce, fill us in here. Yeah, yeah, that what a crazy story. You're Jeez. right. Well, that is a weird one. Uh, that uh, he had a family member who was going to was trying to extort millions of dollars from him. You know, he was going to you know, threaten to kill. According to the the FBI in New Orleans, uh, you know, threatening to kill some family members, threatening to expose uh, um, uh, Matthew for some other stuff. So uh, it was just kind of a crazy story and. Uh, you know, apparently this is going to come to a head, and apparently there's no uh, involvement or any guilt on uh, Matthew's part, but still, just kind of a weird story. It's one you don't see very often. You know, I want to go back to the draft, and they didn't have, the Chiefs didn't have a first-round pick, but the, in the second round, their first overall pick in the draft, 
uh, was a wide receiver from Georgia who is lightning quick and hardman. Was he a target of theirs prior to the Tyreek Hill news breaking, which broke, as we know, uh, in Nashville, or that when, when the draft was ongoing? It broke on Thursday. Chiefs didn't draft till Friday. But was Hardman always a target, or did he become the target, you know, just in case uh, Hill was not able to, uh, uh, you know, to, to participate this year? Well, he, he was a target before the, the Hill stuff came up. Um, maybe not the target, but a target. And, and of course, then once uh, the Chiefs had to suspend Hill, that became more of a priority. But, you know, the Chiefs were thin at wide receiver anyway, and that's mm-hmm. including Tyreek Hill, you right. know. And, and keep in mind, you don't just draft for this year. You're sort of drafting for the next few years. And, you know, where the Chiefs were uh, at wide receiver, you know, Tyreek Hill is heading into the last year of his contract. Their third receiver, Demarcus Robinson, is heading into the third year or, or the final year of his contract. Um, Sammy Watkins has two years left, but he's been hurt, as we know, and had trouble staying healthy. So, um, you know, the Chiefs were kind of thin there. They needed some help, so they would have done something anyway. Now, would they have used their second-round pick had Tyreek Hill not been in trouble? That's hard to say. I mean, probably not would be my guess, but um, – um, they would have done something receiver maybe in the third round or the fourth round. They would have gotten around to it eventually. You know, a couple of Hawkeyes in that linebacker crew there in Kansas City. We saw Anthony Hitchens put together a nice season a year ago after coming in as a free agent. Ben Neiman, though, an undrafted free agent, found a role in special teams. And I saw just the other day Pro Football Focus had him ranked as one of the best special teams players in the NFL. He'll obviously play a big role again on that, but... Is he part of maybe the future plans, a guy that they think could find a role as a linebacker and as a starter in a couple of years, or do they look at him basically strictly as a special teamer? Well, you know, he's kind of got a little bit of a blank slate in that regard, particularly as it involves defense, because the Chiefs, number one, have a new coaching staff, and number two, they have a new defensive system. So I think it's a lot is up in the air regarding guys like Ben Neiman, but particularly him, you know, he's brought in by a different coaching staff. And, um, you know, they were the ones who uh, recommended the Chiefs keep him last year when the uh, regular season started. And, 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 you know, now how does he fit in? You know, he had to play a little bit on defense when there were some injuries that hit. And, and so now how does he fit in? Um, you know, that, that's the question. And the Chiefs started yesterday with their um, offseason practice. Uh, I won't be able to be able to see a, a practice until tomorrow. So I'll know a little more about his situation uh, after tomorrow's practice, but I'm kind of—he's you know—he's a guy I'm kind of eager to see because uh, you know if, if he can help the Chiefs defensively, um, even as a you know a top backup, that's a pretty good deal because he was a, a good special teams player, did have a good year, and uh, I think that'll solidify his spot on the team for for next season if he can uh, show the coaches he can at least be a, a, a competent backup. A bigger surprise after the season ends with a loss against the Patriots. Justin Houston, who is, he's been in decline uh, due to injuries, but boy, he was dominant when he was, you know, when he was, he was as good as there was in the league. Uh, so bigger surprise, Justin Houston gone or D Ford being traded. Uh, those two not back this year. Uh, bigger shoes to fill and who's the biggest surprise that they're gone? Yeah, I would say bigger shoes to fill would be Justin Houston just because he's more of a well-rounded player. Um, you know, D Ford had the bigger year as a pass rusher last year, but um, as, as an every-down guy, Justin Houston was kind of the um, 
Um, you know, he, he was the, the kind of guy the Chiefs really relied on in that area. Um, now, as far as who's more of a surprise, um, um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Justin Houston was 30, uh-huh. paid a lot of money, um, not, not as productive as he was earlier in his career. So, uh, you know, from that angle, not, not a real surprise. But then again, you know, with the change in defensive systems, you know, D Ford, Chiefs were really concerned that D Ford didn't fit and, and just really couldn't play for them on running downs. So uh, not a not a real surprise there either. You know they were obviously motivated to to trade him because they could only get a, a second round pick for him. So uh, um, you know, so I, I guess equal amounts of surprise for both those guys. Not huge surprises, but uh, still, given what they've done uh, and Ford last year and Houston over the point of uh, over the course of his career, I'd say they're both mild surprises. Teich, you've seen great athletes in your time in Kansas City come through. George Brett, beloved. You've seen a lot of ones. Priest Holmes uh, was one of those guys. But Patrick Mahomes, it's early, but is this the highest Q rating you've ever seen for an athlete during your time in Kansas City? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even think it's close. <laughs> I can't uh, be. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of got to Kansas City toward the end of George Brett's time here so um uh you know he was still playing for the royals but he was getting toward the end and uh um so he maybe wasn't quite what he was in that regard earlier in his career um you know joe montana was a guy you know he came to the chiefs you know with with the fistful of super bowl rings and Mm -hmm. and uh, um you know he, he was kind of a guy who was that way as well i mean he was only here a short time two seasons but uh Still, I would put him in that category as well. But uh, nobody quite like Pat Mahomes. I mean, uh, this guy, uh, this poor guy can't go anywhere in Kansas City anymore. He can't breathe anymore uh, without uh, getting hounded. So, uh, you know, it's it's, uh, kind of an interesting deal. You know, the Chiefs have had some some star players. Uh, You know, Tony Gonzalez Mm -hmm. and Derek Thomas and... You mentioned Montana for a short time, but um, it's they're, they're going to have this guy for a long time, and it's and it's just going to be different. I mean, it's uh, you know he's the 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 uh, he's going to be the face of the NFL maybe for a long time there. He certainly is. Did you cover? And I'm sure you did. Uh, it was the greatest game I've ever been at. That Monday nighter in Denver, Elway scored too soon, left Montana some time on the clock. Monday night football, Old Mile High Stadium. 19, I want to say 94, Teich. That was unbelievable. I'm guessing you covered it. Yeah, that was one of my first seasons covering the Chiefs. And, uh, yeah, it was a cold December Monday night. Uh, it snowed a little bit during the day and cold at night. And, uh, yeah, it was a crazy, uh, crazy game. And that was uh, one of the better ones for sure. I mean, just, um, you know, not just the circumstances of the game and the Chiefs scoring with uh, under 10 seconds to go to win the game. But, uh, you know, you, you knew you were witnessing something that was going to be a classic because of the guys, the quarterbacks who were involved. Mm, no doubt. Last thing for you, 20 seconds, back to Tyreek Hill. What's the consensus, I guess, around um, – would it be a surprise if he played again? More of a surprise if he played again for the Chiefs or didn't, do you think? Uh, at this point, I would be more surprised if he didn't play ever again for the Chiefs. Um, I, I think a more likely outcome with what we know right now is that Tyreek Hill will be suspended as opposed to the Chiefs releasing him. Mm-hmm. That's my call right now. There just doesn't seem to be a 
uh, you know, that, 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 that audio was, was pretty incriminating, but, you know, he had a rebuttal that muddied it a little bit, maybe. So, you know, I just, I don't know that there's a clear cut deal where the, he can be prosecuted for this. And minus the prosecution, I'm just wondering a little bit what, you know, what the Chiefs will do here. My, my sense is they'll keep him and he'll be suspended as opposed to um, an outright release. But, uh, hey, something can pop up. This, this thing has taken some – this thing hasn't really been alive that long, this, this case, and it's taken some unexpected twists. That's so something for sure. Something pop up here, and, and uh, you know, that can change for sure. Adam Teicher, ESPN.com. Teich, thank you for uh, what you do for us. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you in the weeks to come. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Adam Teicher, ESPN.com, as we go uh, inside the Kansas City Chiefs. So there you have it. Adam Teicher has covered the team for a long time, 20-something years, 25 years or thereabouts, thinks that there's uh If you have that jersey, go ahead and hold on to it. Still going to be part of the team. We didn't suspension. lie, Trent. He didn't lie. And you pointed that out a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Cream Different Hunt, than Kareem Hunt. Yep. Yes. His nose was growing when he when he met with the Hunt family, the owners of the mm-hmm. Chiefs. Um, that may have that may play a significant role in this. All right, you've got high school baseball on ESPN.com, Valley and Urban. What did I say? ESPN.com. Uh, that was Adam Tyson. Yeah, he's ESPN.com. I'm not there yet. No, but hang in there. All right. But don't leave for another well, five no, years. Oh, no, of course not. No, no. See this out with me. No, Would I, you I got plenty of time here, hopefully. Good. My fingers are crossed. Mine too. Um KXNO.com is where you'll have baseball tonight. Uh, Urbandale and Valley. We've got the, the radios, got the Royals and the Cardinals. Game two of that day night doubleheader tonight. 645 first pitch. Baseball tonight on TV. Cubs, your twins. It's about it. I'm in. Cardinals, Royals. That's afternoon, 1215 yeah. for the first one. And 645 for game two of the double dip. Uh, we've got Bill Bender. His uh, bull projections are out at sportingnews.com. Ooh. He joins us tomorrow at 1115. We appreciate you being with us, Miller and Condon. Now, Murph and Andy are next. Fanatics wrap it up. The rush will start it again tomorrow, 1460 KXNO.